morning we're going to be continuing within this series throughout the summer on um, fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at each individual piece of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and so we're going to continue that this morning by talking about faithfulness. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. If you have your Bible, we're going to open up to Acts chapter 6. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, this should be one of the seat around you. If you don't hold a Bible, um, please take the one that's around you. That's our gift to you. Uh, please take that, keep that. Uh, and if you are using the seat back Bible, you're looking for page 914. So go to Acts 6, then you put your finger there, it's going to take us a little bit, but that's where we're going to land eventually. Um, so as we've been doing this series, I know I've said it, I, I know I've said it while I was preaching, and I know I'll be like I said it today when preaching, but it really stuck out to me this week, especially in preparing, that the fruit of the Spirit, each one of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of these things really originate in God. These are all characteristics, these are all things about is. They are not learned traits for him. These are not things he had to work on and grow in. It's really just who he is. And I think that is very clear. It's really evident this morning as we talk about faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? Deuteronomy 7 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, a faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So this morning we're going to talk about what is faithfulness. How does God show us what faithfulness looks like? How does he put it on display for us? And what does it look like for us to be faithful people to one another and to God? So that's where we're going to go this morning. I'm going to pray, and we will jump in. So please, why can't we pray with you? Heavenly Father, we thank God for this gift of community. God, thank you for another opportunity for us to gather together and worship and praise you. God, we worship you this morning because you are good. Because you ordered all things together. Because you know all things. And so, God, in light of these facts, in light of who you are, Lord, we pray that you will fill us with trust in you. That we might trust you and see you as a faithful God that you That as the world might attack us and try to distract us, let us never lose sight or never any love that we have received through Jesus Christ. Lord, as I preach, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorified to you. We pray all these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. What is faithfulness here? What is faithfulness? As we begin, I want to talk about faith and faithfulness and how these things connect, how these things interact. Because faith focuses on something outside of itself, right? You all put your faith in the chairs that you are sitting in right now. Even subconsciously, you didn't even think about it. Before you sat down, you put your faith in that chair was going to hold you up. When you get into your car, you put your key into the ignition and you turn it, you are putting your faith into are going to work correctly so that you can go somewhere and buy tacos. It's the same with our faith in God. We put our faith in something outside of ourselves. We put our faith in a God who saves a God who is faithful. Now faithfulness, that focus is inward. That is focused on self. The chair that is holding you up right now is faithful to the job it was made to do. When your car actually does start and you are able to go get delicious tacos, God is being faithful to those we do. God is faithful to save us if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, His life, death, burial, and resurrection, for the forgiveness of our sin, for our new identity as His children. God is faithful to save us. And so we as Christians are called not to just be people of faith, but we are called to be people who are faithful. So what is faithful? 
faithfulness is the short, easy definition is to be reliable. It's to be trustworthy. To be consistent. And that's what scripture shows us that God is over and over again, that He is reliable, that He is trustworthy, that He is consistent. We never have to worry about how God is feeling in any particular moment, what He thinks about us, whether or not He approves or disapproves of the actions we are doing. We know these things. We were given scripture. We are given scripture to show us and tell us who God is. And then God sent Jesus, God in the flesh, to show us this is what it looks like to live. This is how I would want you to live. This is what it looks like to live as a person in a relationship with God. Who God is doesn't change. His holiness, His justice, His righteousness, His goodness and mercy and grace and faithfulness, all of these things are going to be preached and sung about long after all of us are dead and gone. Because God God is never changing. He's not going to change. He's not going to be different generations from now. God is always the same. He is always faithful. Those in the Bible knew that God is faithful. David in Psalm 36, 5 said, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. One of the other psalms in Psalm 119, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. The great King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to them. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament said in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you. There's still books that I need to go back to on our next break and catch up on. 
That's okay. If you've tried it and you just it just didn't work, keep trying. Keep getting at it. Keep opening scripture. Keep trying to do it. The thing that's helped me, the encouragement I want to give you guys, the thing that's helped me, especially in the last couple of weeks, is find somebody to hold you accountable. Find somebody that you can do it with. I have found a new accountability partner in the last couple of weeks in my son Benjamin. I want Benji to know scripture. I want him to cover in scripture. And so every morning at 6 a.m., he is so excited to read scripture that he cries and he needs a diaper change and he needs to eat because he's so excited to get into the work. That's what I choose to believe. <laughs> and so the last couple of weeks in the mornings, I sit with my friend that I read to him, or we just, it's 2017, guys. There's gaps. Get audio Bibles. And so we sit some mornings and we listen. And we listen to the scriptures. And it's good. And it's a great way to start the day. And I know because I want him to know scripture. And so he is my accountability partner because I am going to make sure that every day he hears the word of God. Find somebody. You just saw. There's a bunch of people. There's like 15 people who just had their hands up who have at least tried, who have had some desire to be in the word and be doing this two-year reading program. Find somebody and say, hey, you know what? I'm trying, I'm struggling. Can we just throw each other a text and remind each other to read? Just try and encourage one another and, and maybe talk about some things. We give you the reflections every week as kind of devotionals to go along with the readings. However you can do it to give yourself in the Word, only good is going to come out of that. The more good you put in, the more good that will come out. That's a very long commercial to tell you to get into our community journey, but I have a point to it. This has to do with what we're talking about. This has to do with what we're talking about in that the people of God never questioned whether or not God was faithful because they knew he was, because they knew their history. So this week as we were reading, we were reading Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter 9, the priests publicly read scripture to the people. They read and they pray and they basically preach to the people their history. Nehemiah 9, 6 8 says this, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on them, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of her of the Galatians and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give his offspring to the, the land of Canaan, the land of Canaan, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Gergesite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And if you read the rest of chapter 9 of Nehemiah, the priests basically walk through their history. They walk through the things God had done for them, the way God had been faithful. And no matter how wicked or faithless the Israelites were, God was faithful. And a similar, a similar thing happens in Acts chapter 6 and 7, where I had you turn. In Acts chapter 6, we see that the apostles need some guys. The church is growing. Things are happening. And the apostles basically can't keep up with all the commands. And so they decide they need to get some people, get some help, get some other leaders involved in what they were doing. Some people who want to serve the church. These would be deacons later on. For us, it's like our ministry leaders. Guys like Daniel. People like our community leaders. People who are in charge of ministries. And so in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, we see this, we see the gospel were picked, and it says in verse 5, And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Simone, and 
Baker, and Marminas and Nicholas proselyte of Antioch. She catches that list of guys that one of them sticks out. One of them has a description of him. Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And if you skip down to verse 8, we learn a little bit more about who Stephen is. In verse 8 it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of Freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not understand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard they speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the custom that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat at the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen was a guy who loved the Lord. He wanted to serve the church and he wanted to be involved. And because he was faithful to his faith, he got ambushed, bum-rushed, and captured. Not legally, or properly, or orderly, he was seized. And they conjured up lies and nonsense and got people to lie. And then they brought in that whole Jesus thing, because if you're going to, at this time, get somebody in trouble, go in with Jesus. He's one of those Jesus of Nazareth followers. You know that guy was trouble. He's one of them. And so in verse, chapter 7, verse 1, the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen begins to do what the priest did in Nehemiah 9. With his life on the line, he talks about God's faithfulness. He starts in verse 2, he says, You know what? God called Abraham, and he told him, Take a walk, Abraham. Take your family. Leave everything else behind. Take your livestock and go. And just go for a walk, travel until I tell you to stop, Abraham. And where did man Abraham stop? That's Canaan. That was the promised land, Stephen says. That's where you all live now, because God is faithful. God promised this land would belong to Abraham's descendants, even though at the time Abraham had no offspring. And he was an old man, and his wife was an old lady. And years later, Abraham had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had a son named Jacob who had 12 sons, whose descendants would become the nation of Israel, would become us. God is faithful. And when some of those 12 brothers got jealous of their brother Joseph, they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And God used their evil for good, because Joseph would rise up and would rule Egypt under Pharaoh. And so the famine hit the land, and Joseph's brothers had to come to Egypt looking for food. Joseph was in a position not only to reveal what God had done, how God had taken their evil, for good, but he continues to provide for his brothers, provide for them, and do, in doing so, preserve the nation of Israel, because God is faithful. He continues in verse 18, he says, when the Israelites became slaves in Egypt, and all hope was lost, and generation after generation were cut, were pushed under the, the rule of the Egyptians, God sent Moses, an Israelite who was born and would end up being raised in Pharaoh's house, being raised as part of Pharaoh's family. And God sent Moses to Pharaoh with a message of let my people go. 
And after the plagues, God led Moses, and Moses led the people out of Egypt because God is faithful. And at the edge of the Red Sea, with Pharaoh's army barreling down on them, God parts the Red Sea, the Israelites walk across on dry land and escape the wrath of Pharaoh because God is faithful. Stephen tells the history of the people. He says God provides for them in the wilderness food and water. And even when they rebelled and they worshiped the golden calf, though he disciplined them, he never forsake, he never forsook them because God is faithful. And eventually they returned to the promised land. After the discipline time was over, under new leadership, under a new man, God had raised up for them in Joshua. And they walked into the land of Canaan and claimed the land that God had promised them. Claimed the land that God had promised Abraham all those years ago. And even when they clamored for a king, even when they said, we want to look like everybody else, we want a king. And God said, fine, here's Saul. He's tall and good looking. And it goes really poorly for them. God says, I'm not done with you yet, Israel. I'm going to raise up a better king. God sends them a second king, a shepherd, a man after God's own heart in David. And David, the warrior poet, leads God's people. He unites God's people, and he protects God's people. He establishes the city of Jerusalem. It's the city of God where God's people dwell because God is faithful. And after David comes Solomon, not only was he the wisest man to ever live, but he was responsible for building the temple, Stephen reminds them. He was responsible for giving us the place of worship and the place where we can go and experience this God who is faithful. And if you skip down to verse 50, he concludes this speech asking those on the council, how many prophets, how many men and women of God have been killed because of those who were not faithful, that they didn't want to listen to the God is faithful. And we pick it up in verse 52, where he says, Which of the prophets that your fathers not persecuted? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, Jesus, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the laws delivered by angels and did not keep it. Stephen, with his life on the line, he doesn't beg. He doesn't recant his faith. Stephen basically, in essence, says, my God has always been faithful. My God will continue to be faithful. Even if this situation goes poorly, even if it goes the way it looks like it's about to go, God is faithful. And how do they respond to that? In verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at it. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of the young man who saw. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Which is a New Testament classic way of saying he died because a group of men and women took giant rocks and threw them at his head. Stephen was faithful. Stephen shows us what faithfulness looks like. He reminds us that God's people never 
knew the value of scripture. They knew the value of remembering and reminding themselves of who God is. Getting in the word for them wasn't a burden, it wasn't a chore, it wasn't something they had to put on this do list and maybe squeeze it in if they had time. It was a delight. It was how they knew who God was. It was how they knew who they were in relation to God. And we see in a man like Stephen, not only did he know God was faithful, but he shows us what it means to be people who are faithful. So what does it look like for us to be faithful people? What does it look like for us to be faithful to one another? For one, it means be a person of your word. James 5.12, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath. So let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall in your condemnation. You say you're going to be somewhere, you say you're going to do something, you say you're going to serve in some capacity, do it. Be a person of your word. Now, I know a lot of people in my generation get around this yes and no thing by giving the always popular answer of maybe. Because maybe avoids confrontation. Maybe says, maybe leaves yourself open. Maybe is a little bit selfish to say, instead of committing yourself and backing out and making that person mad later, maybe says, I don't know. And maybe, instead of saying no at the time and making that person upset with me or making that person not like me in that moment, maybe says, I don't know. Maybe. Be a person of your word. Stick to what you say you will or will not do. What it looks like to be faithful is be trustworthy. Be the kind of person other people want to be around. Other people want to confide in and share with. And I'm not talking about just like secrets and confidential information. I'm talking about your character, your lifestyle. The New Testament calls it living above reproach. Living in such a way that you give no, you give people no reason, no excuse not to trust you in the way that you live and carry yourself. Be consistent. Don't flake out. Don't just run and hide. Don't give up on your beliefs or your opinions just because you're in a certain company or because you because it'd be more convenient to just hide what you actually believe, hide what you actually think in that moment. Be consistent. Consistent with what you believe, be consistent with the way you carry yourself. So, what does it look like for us to be faithful to God? We know that God is always faithful to us. What does it look like for us to be faithful to God? Number one, it looks like showing up. Because there are going to be times when the last thing you want to do is be in communion with God or with His people. Show up anyway. And I'm not talking about just church, be in church. But in your walk with God, show up. Keep opening the book. Keep going to him in prayer. Keep being in community. Because God is doing work in your life. He is always working. He is always working on you. He is never wasting time. If you are willing to show up and continue pursuing this relationship with him, even when you are tired and hurt and beat up by the world, God will be faithful to you. God will be the dad that he is and he will step in to comfort you and care for you. Sometimes you just gotta show up. Number two is stay true. Why would we call that hold fast to what you believe? Cling to 
cling tightly to the truth that you know, to the gospel that you know. Do not relinquish the tight grasp on the gospel. Do not let up, do not ease up, do not give an inch on what you know to be the truth of the gospel. Because as soon as you do, Satan will take that opportunity to attack. We spent a good couple of months going through 1 John. And that was just to ground ourselves, get ourselves dug in deep in the gospel that we know to be true. Do not be persuaded by the false and fleeting teaching of this world, because only God is truly faithful. And number three, when you screw up, not if, when, when we sin, don't run from God. Run to Him. When you sin, you have the choice to run and hide like Adam and Eve did they and pretend like everything's okay, even when it's not. Or you can run to God. You can show up. You can ask for forgiveness. And what do we learn in the first job? If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is always faithful. Even when we screw up, even when we rebel against Him, even when we choose sin over Him, He is faithful. Do not run from him. Run to him. That's you being faithful to the relationship you are cultivating and he is cultivating with you. Now I'm giving you some list of examples of what it looks like to be faithful. But as we've said throughout this series, this is a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, which means none of this is going to work. None of this actually matters if you aren't walking by the Spirit, if you aren't being led by the Holy Spirit. Letting the Holy Spirit speak into your life. Now, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is already at work in you, cultivating the fruit of faithfulness in you. But there are things that can creep up in our spiritual garden, right? There are things that can creep up and choke out the fruit of faithfulness in our lives. So what are the things that choke out faithfulness? Arrogance is one. When we say, God, I know better than you. I know where you want me to do this. But I'm going to do my way instead. Because my plan is better than your plan, God. You can't possibly understand the things I'm dealing with down here. I'm going to do things my way. And when we do that, we stop going to God. Stop going to God who's faithful. We stop trusting Him. We start doubting Him. And our faithfulness gets choked out. What else chokes out faithfulness? Forgetting who God is. It's kind of similar. When we forget, when we ignore that God is faithful, good, that he is for us and not against us, that he wants all people to be saved, that he wants all people to know him as Father. When we forget God's faithfulness, we in turn forget how to be faithful, because we learn these things from him. The influences you have in your life can be a source of choking out faithfulness, because if you're spending time with people who aren't faithful, People who don't expect much of you, they're not going to expect you to be faithful. They're not going to expect you to be trustworthy. And over time, why would you? If no one's expecting you of you, why would you do it? Surround yourself with people who call you to that higher standard, who expect you to be a faithful person. Now that's the people thing. This is one I think Christians tend to lose because I would have really good motives 
out of really good desires. We decide to do everything for everyone, all the time, always. And eventually, we have so many plates spinning, something is going to fall. And then something else is going to fall. And then we start to build the reputation of people who are not faithful, who are not trustworthy. Our reputation will take a hit. Our trustworthiness will take a hit. And we aren't being faithful. It's good that you want to serve. It's good that you want to be helpful for people and care for people. But you've got to know your limits. Because as we said uh, in Galatians 5, where we pulled the fruit of the Spirit from, when we start to try and serve and do all the time, always for everyone, we get into this mindset that I have to help everyone all the time, it becomes worse righteousness. We're starting to try and earn God's favor. We're starting to try and work to impress God. And it just can't be done. We can't win our way or work our way into heaven. There are weeds that are going to choke out your faithfulness if you let them. It is so important that we need to identify them and realize God is bigger and better and more faithful than all of those things. Remember that you have been given the gift of Scripture. You have been given the Bible to remind you of God's faithfulness, to show you examples of what it means to be a faithful person. And we have people like Stephen and Abraham and Moses and Jesus himself to show us, here's what faithfulness looks like. Because Jesus was faithful, even when it would have been so much easier, so much more convenient for him to not be faithful, for him to not be, to, for him to not be trustworthy. It would have been so much easier for his well-being to say, you know what, this cross thing is too big, I want to do it. But he was faithful to the reason he came to earth. He was faithful to endure to die on the cross so that you and I can have our sins forgiven, so that you and I can have to experience the wrath of God, so that you and I have a new identity, not based on our own righteousness, but based on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that we can become sons and daughters of God. Jesus' death on the cross proves once again, ultimately, that God is faithful, and he made it possible to be faithful people as well, because the Christian, you and I, have the Holy Spirit in us, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, cultivating this faithfulness. And so because of the faithfulness of Christ, we are saved to be faithful people. So let's go into the world and be faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for another day of worship you. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that time and time again, your people, as we, as I have rebelled against you, as I have chosen sin, I have chosen flesh over you, over and over, you show up and you say, I am faithful and I am still for you. God, help us to be reminded, help us to be well, help us to never forget your faithfulness, the greatness of your faithfulness. And Lord, in turn, as we dwell on that, as we focus on that, God, help us, help us to be people who are faithful. People who are faithful to one another, people who are faithful with a reputation of trustworthiness, and people who are faithful to you, faithful in our walk with you, faithful in, in our desires to know you deeper and better still. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, proving once and for all your faithfulness by sending your son to that place. And Lord, I pray if anyone here doesn't know you, doesn't know your faithfulness, that they would come to know it today, they would come to experience it. With your goodness, your mercy, 
environments in the world help us to be mindful of how we can be faithful. Faithful lights, faithful in what you have called us to do, in the places you have called us to live and work and serve. Help us to be more faithful.